You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight... We're coming to the end of a bumper crop year for Doctor Who animations. We have had four this year, culminating with Galaxy 4. First, first Doctor adventure we've had animated in quite a while. So uh, we have looked at Galaxy 4 before. And uh, when it was uh, put out on as a bonus feature on another disc, although I don't remember which one. Yeah, it wasn't animated. <clears throat> was it the Aztecs? It was. And it was a, a partial photo snap, missing footage recreation. Partially animated. Cut down. Yeah, it had some uh, some little 3D chumblies in it and whatnot. But uh, we are looking at the proper, full-on animated Blu-ray release. Uh, and since we have talked about it before, my synopsis might reflect that. So, uh, story synopsis, the four-part, Galaxy 4. The Doctor, Vicky, and Steven land on what appears to be a dead or dying planet, but soon the TARDIS is being investigated by small robots. Vicky coins the name Chumblies because they walk in a Chumbly fashion. Investigating, they are somewhat taken prisoners by the Chumblies who cannot speak. They're being taken somewhere, but the trio are rescued by the Draven, beautiful Amazonian warriors. Taken to their spaceship, which is wrecked on the planet, they meet Maga, the head Draven. She explains that they're at war with the Rills, the hideous, disgusting creatures that control the Chumblies. The Rill have also crashed on the planet. Further complication, the planet will self-destruct in two days' time. Holding Stephen prisoner, the Draven coerced the Doctor and Vicky to try to take the real spacecraft so that they can all escape. This goes wrong when Vicky is captured and they discover that the Rills, who are ammonia-breathing creatures, are actually advanced and peaceful and have only been trying to help the Draven. The Doctor agrees to transfer power from the TARDIS to the Rill so they can escape the planet. Things all come down to the wire as the Dravens try to take possession of the real ship as the planet dies. The Rills and the TARDIS escape, leaving the Draven to their fate. Right. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts uh, on this uh, second dip at uh, Galaxy Four? Well, obviously, the big change is the animation, but I am I'm just going to have to mention the fact that my take on the story is different from what it was five years ago, and so I was quite I was I was sort of having having watched the animated version that we've just had mm-hmm. and then going back and listening to what I said then I kind of listened to five-year-old me laying out the case for why the the why the story didn't do a very good job of world building and what was wrong with the writing and everything and um you know it was a reasonable case reasonably made case but five-year-old me was wrong um, that was the problem with it. And actually, uh, I I ended up agreeing with everything that you said this time around, you know, that um, it is the the way it, the way actually a lot of the things that aren't included in this are are help it to be a, a well-focused um, morality tale. The, the kind of beauty on the inside 
stuff and and all that i don't think you need an indigenous population i don't even think you need an explanation for why the planet is going to to blow up i found it quite an enjoyable viewing um and that wasn't really true last time and so one of the things that i'm curious about is whether that is an effect of having the animated version to look at rather than the sort of mix that we had last time of um well essentially <laughs> one and a half episodes of live animation bolstered with um bolstered with a sort of cut down partially animated partially photoshopped reconstruction i will go on the record right now and say that i think it's the animation and i am willing to bet good money that if and when they ever release the underwater menace properly animated I will like it better than I did the version that they released because, you know, it lived and died on the voices you heard and the words they spoke. And it was not in any way benefited by what they put on the screen. And I'm sure it's better than I think it is. And I'm still marveling at the fact that you liked it. But... Um, and, and it's interesting because uh, five-year-old uh, ago, us, uh, I liked Galaxy 4. And, and we reviewed this just after having reviewed Underwater Menace, which I did not like. And, and I liked Galaxy 4 the way they had done it. I thought that, you know, maybe coming off of how awful the Underwater Menace job was, that what we saw in Galaxy 4 was uh, a lot more enjoyable i however and i enjoyed this i enjoyed watching it this time i was like yay another one doctor who good this is this is good doctor who i am so gonna get done watching this before i have to watch another episode of the flux so that i can uh, you know cleanse the palate and i found the original story having watched it five years ago and the only time i ever watched it should be pretty forgettable and so I, I kind of was surprised again at what was happening. I, I knew the basic tale of the Draven's bad, Rill's good, but uh, I, I was surprised at how much of it is like, yeah, I kind of remember this, but I don't, and I don't know if that's a function of having watched it in the uh, the, the 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 stills stills animation and live action recreation. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see in five years if I remember Galaxy Four again <laughs> it'll be interesting to see in five years if i remember anything again but you know it, it uh but i i did enjoy it but i don't feel like i got the same feeling out of it that i did last time and i can't tell you what it is but listening to myself talk about it on the podcast i definitely liked it i definitely liked it this time and yet somehow i don't think it i don't know i, I i'm not saying it i'm detracting this time it just kind of feels like it was a different experience and I, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I'm going to go with good just because make more animations. But I'm not. <laughs> I, my so my my feeling on this is it is definitely a, a different experience. When we talked about it before, we kind of felt like that what they what they had done with the previous animation was quite an, an impressive way of filling in the gaps where there's a load of missing material. Um, it 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 showed very much the where the kind of gaps were but on the other hand it 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 conveyed very much what 
you were you were kind of supposed to be getting from the visuals that were that were accompanying the soundtrack that of course you're still able to hear and in terms of the actual animation in the new galaxy 4 mm. it's the same people you know big finish creative uh, digitunes uh, etc who did fury from the deep and my reaction to it is almost exactly the same i dislike the same things i disliked before i like the the things that i liked before um but what's interesting to me in comparing the kind of two versions that we have had now of Galaxy 4 is that it is a different experience. When you, you know, when you say it's a different experience watching this, I think it deliberately is a different experience. And I, I mean, we've sort of touched on this before, but there are, there are perhaps bigger divergences between what... Mm-hmm would you know what would be a pure kind of this is what was this 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 animation is reconstructing what might have been in the 1960s to no this is actually now a realization of the story in a way that takes full advantage of the things that are now possible and it i mean it's not <laughs> yeah it it, it it's not straying too far i think from the spirit of the story so that it that it did you know you've still it's still got a match with the soundtrack that you're hearing right um right. and it's and it's still got to feel like it's part of that that kind of hartnell season but it 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 what what you're what you're kind of seeing with the with the the previous animated version was very much this is this is to give you an idea of what it could have looked like let your let your brain fill in the gaps here but this is ba- this is basically you watching a 1960s studio bound doctor who in black and white whereas this is a much bigger scale because you know it's if you're on an alien planet and the thing was filmed in a studio and it's i mean we'll come back to this but it's it, it's in color and it includes sequences that were not and obviously could not have been in the original production and i think yeah. that's quite an interesting choice i i you know i I, I know where you're going there is the fact that, so for example, there are scenes where someone's up on a cliff looking down on them at distance mm-hmm. when in the studio version, they, they were no more no than way seven feet away. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> uh, but what I do think is interesting is that they took the design, the studio set design of the planet with the weird looking plants and, the, and what, and they just stretched it out so that it is, it is that studio set with those weird studio plants, but it's big and they mm-hmm. can operate in a bigger canvas. And I think that works very, very well. And I, I appreciate it. They've just taken this world and they said, if, if that studio had actually been pine wood instead of closet wood, <laughs> then, and we'd had a budget instead of a shoebox, this is what this set probably would have looked like in it. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would say there's nothing there that wouldn't have been achievable in the sixties, but you would have had to, I mean, I'm not somewhere sure else. Would yeah. have been, you'd, I think you'd have needed location shoots in the outback. Um, but you know, it, it, it's not like it's something that you couldn't do, but it is something that they very definitely didn't do. And what's quite interesting about it is the previous reconstruction very much designed around fitting around the existing footage and we did kind of talk about how jarring it was to go from or how jarring i found it to go from a a, a kind of 
section that had been recreated by um, essentially a sequence of stills into some of the some of the kind of existing live action footage and then back into the stills and they've done the complete opposite here in the sense that although they have got an episode and a half of live action footage they've animated all four episodes and did did you watch episode three or did you watch it straight through animation i watched it straight through animation i i did watch some of it which is which is a different experience isn't it yes yes it is yeah, it is. I'll tell you, I, I made a couple of notes. And one of the things that really got me was uh, there's a scene in the original where they they approach the Draven spacecraft for the first time. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that exterior Draven spaceship and you hear them talking about how a piece of junk it is, basically, I will say this. The BBC actual version looks like a bigger piece of junk than the animated version it looks it looks better in the and i can you can see that they're kind of trying to make it look grungy but they have not succeeded in what the bbc art department did in the original probably through lack of money rather than (laughs) than design but i think it's more accident than intention i think it's accident by intent but that was because there are some scenes again because i was going into this thing kind of fresh-ish so when Steve's like, "Wow, what a piece of junk," you know, <laughs> you're looking around the ship, and I'm going, it "Doesn't really look like a piece of junk to me." But then I guess maybe I'm seeing that through Stephen, the spaceman's eyes, who knows something about starships. To me, it's just like Ooh, spaceship, and to him, it's like, "Oh yeah, this is you know, look at that old chromatic regulator, whatever it had." And, and but it it does it does look like a piece of junk in the. In the BBC version. I wonder if that inspired when Douglas Adams wrote Arthur Dent's reaction to the Vogon ship and then seeing Heart of Gold and going, this is what I think a spaceship should look like. So, sorry, could something be. just occurred to me. On that, on that se- just this is a slight tangent, but on that sequence of the, the first approach to the drive in the spaceship, I think there is an <laughs> example there of um, where they have actually been somewhat constrained by the original in the sense that the approach to the driving spaceship is the very beginning of the existing footage from episode one. So people will be quite familiar with seeing the kind of actors rushing up and and going through the door there. For me, as I kind of said with Fury of the Deep, the big weakness of this animation is when you see the kind of where essentially where it's it's fine when they're just sort of standing there talking to each other, but when they're doing whole body movements in particular running, it looks really bad. And the fact that they, you know, most of, most of the episodes, all of episode two, all of episode four are missing. They don't have any tele snaps, et cetera, et cetera. They, it frees them up to sort of just do whatever they want, which includes they can play to the strength of the animation and not do the things that look a bit naff. So I did wonder whether, that kind of running from the right-hand side to the left-hand side of the screen with their legs sort of scissoring was something that they only put in there because they thought it it was a a kind of essential element that that fans would remember. Hmm. I'll tell you one thing that I noticed that was different in that same kind of area, and, and maybe this is the director of the original wanted to play the script differently than the animator wanted to play the script. But what I 
got out of watching the animated version was lines like uh, the doctor and Steven talking about the thing, the ship saying it's, you know, it's a piece of junk. Oh, it's fossilized. And then Steven going, well, it has got one or two things of interest to it. And it feels like he's talking about the Dravins. But if you watch the live version, he is looking around at the ship, not the girls, when he says that line. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't sound nearly as creepy. (laughs) (laughs) And, And it's like, huh, I, that, that is different. I, I I read that scene completely differently. I read everything Steven says in the animation when he's talking about anything good. He's talking about the, the pulchritude of the Dravins and anything and in the anime or in the live, it just didn't quite, it doesn't come off that way. And it could just be the director said, oh, don't be staring him right in the, look around the room or something. Look at the ceiling or something. So it's, you know, imagine their yeah, eyes are yeah. up there. <laughs> and then, yeah, do you, because it's it's I guess it's harder to be subtle in the animation, and yeah, there are th- there are definitely things that are harder to do in the animation, and then there are things that are easier to do in the animation. Yeah. So I I mean I noticed a number of quite specific differences around what they'd chosen to do with the animation. We know are different. They did anyway. The big one for me is in that in that sequence and. You know, it's very obvious that it's different because we have that surviving clip of the scene. When Marga is talking about how they came to the planet, the animation goes to this massive flashback of the ships arriving, mm-hmm. which, you know, even even if you didn't have that clip, you think, well, would they would they have been able to do that? And uh, I, I don't I think that's quite an interesting choice. I think essentially I I like it. I can see what it adds because you know you can you can argue that had they been able to do it at the time then they, they prob- might well have done yeah and it adds more visual interest um to a scene that is essentially somebody standing there talking to you and a and a person standing well, there talking to you in animation is in animation kind of in, yeah. yeah exactly so so it it it's something that is is not ter- doesn't come off terribly well in the animation is also a lot more difficult to do so the animators have made their jobs easier by doing a simpler animation, which and, and is also kind of visually rewarding. Would I be right in as, assuming that the scene where they recount how MAGA, so I believe it's the real recounting it, how, how MAGA actually killed her own soldier, the wounded soldier. In episode four. We we also see that in flashback in in episode four in the animated version. But I've yeah. enough that I see, and from the interviews on the making of documentary, they clearly filmed that scene. So, in other words, the director did use that device. Yeah. When people, sorry, are no, it's in episode things. three, isn't it? It's in episode three. I'm not because sure. We have. We, have we got do that have sequence that does exist. Have Have we got that sequence of of manga shooting, or do we just have some stills of that and and the actors talking about how they did that? I don't know because I didn't. I didn't watch the. I, the live. I definitely, I definitely have a recollection of it. Um, so, but I my point is it's... simply that it's you know it is in the style of what that director did in that well, story no. anyway. Well, actually, I think I think that is where the big potential problem with it exists because what you've got 
there is a flashback, which is in as far as we can tell from everything else in the story, a a true recollection of what actually happened. So there are two oh, ways right, you could right. interpret what the flashbacks are. They could be a visual representation of what the character is telling us, or they could be us actually seeing something that happened at an earlier time through the magic of editing. And right, fair enough. There, it is in episode three, by the way. The flashback that is in there is it could be either because we believe it to be true and the real t- is telling us something true. The flashback in episode one that they've added could not be real because it contradicts what we are told by the real when he recounts what Margot has recounted in episode three. And we didn't get his flashback version. We didn't get his flashback version, but 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 we're told that they, you know, they stopped there and there was this standoff and mm-hmm. th- there was a, you know, there's a different account of who fired first and et cetera, et cetera. And so it doesn't, what, what we are told by the real at that point does not tally with what we see in the, in the new animated flashback that we get in episode one. So that, that very much is in the style of the flashback is purely a visual representation of what the character is saying. It doesn't give us any clue as to what the truth is. You know, I, that, that, get, that made me pause and think, you know, is, is, is this kind of quite, major artistic choice is that acceptable you know i think it is because of the the i think it works but i i think you know after your explanation i would have i would have gone ahead and said they should have also animated what the real said so that you have two animations of the two different versions i mean i i i, I agree i i am i am very very much easier now about well i guess i never have i mean it's one of the things that I felt about the way they reigned in the reign of terror. I thought that was unnecessary because I quite liked the very heavily uh, stylized animation in that. And that's partly because I consider these to be works of art in their own right. So, mm. you know, although they are working with material from the original production in the sense of using the soundtrack, let's not pretend that what they are realizing is what M's intended in his right or, or you know Derek Martinus's interpretation of it they they may be trying to extrapolate something there but what we're talking about we're seeing on screen is you know the the it's it's not it's not actually uh, Gary Russell who directs this one it's it's Chloe Grech who I think worked on Fury of the Deep but wasn't a director but it's it's her take or at the very least it's her take on what she thinks that Ems or Martinus right. wanted to happen or, sh- or should have wanted to happen. It, you know, it's her hope for what they would have liked to happen. But who can say, you know, Ems isn't with us anymore. So you can't, you can't kind of, it, you, you can't say this is, this is what he would have wanted done if he was, you know, if he was writing for something that had a budget with money to rent Pinewood or go to the Outback. I'm not really I'm not really suggesting that I think they would have a problem with it. I'm just saying I really don't think it matters what they think it should be like. What matters to me in terms of experiencing this now is the coherence of what we see on screen as a work in its own right. This is this is inspired by the original production of Galaxy 4, but it is in at least to some degree a remake. And the 
perhaps going back to this question of why did I find it more enjoyable, perhaps the reason around that is because it does it does feel more coherent to be watching this single vision of what it's like. Yet, yes, the animation isn't perfect, but it does have a lot of benefits over the the original. That you you know, if you still watch episode three, and I kind of mentioned this before, but the 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 way that Vicky gets trapped by the rill in the <laughs> ship by a you know just by by an effect an, an effect this this bar these bars coming down that obviously are terribly lightweight and not capable of holding anyone in and so you know immediately that takes takes me out of it and you know likewise you have the the doctor and Vicky hiding behind a box at one point and it clearly <laughs> it wouldn't if if yeah. I don't know why they're hiding because the Chumblies can only detect them by sound, but it wouldn't prevent them being seen if they could be seen. So th- those kinds of things are failures of the original production. And I mean, last time around, I did I I tried to make the case no, there was problems with the writing, but actually, I think it was probably the issues that I had were around the production because the animated version wears its it 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 wears its shortcomings on its sleeve in a sense it's not pretending to be live action in any sense but it gives you a an animated version of the story that i think is what it is and in terms of that i i think it's a very enjoyable watch i have a couple of questions about the the one thing that i mean there are a couple of things for example the chumleys have a much more articulated claw okay Fine. Yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of in keeping with they did have a sort of claw thing. It was pretty but, but, pathetic, but it, but it was it it moves in a way that you know. Again, coming back to this thing of what they couldn't possibly have done at the time, it moves in a way right. that they couldn't have made something like that because it's too thin to articulate so smoothly, right? Yeah. But the, the you know that one that one is nothing. I mean, it's yes, it's mm-hmm. it's just we. Somebody said this thing's got a claw and it reaches out and grabs it. And somebody in the art department said, uh, okay. But in the animation department, they can just go, go for it. There are two things that seemed to me very different and they are, they must be artistic choices. One of which has relevance to the story. One of which does not. The one that does to me have relevance. It doesn't, it, it doesn't make a difference, but it, it, but it does to me, the Draven look identical. Mm-hmm. They look like they're clones in yes. the grown Draven look like they're clones in the animated version when they are obviously not in the original version. And nothing is made of that except that, you know, MAGA says these aren't living beings. They're made in a test tube. And the animation sort of conveys that better because they do look like they're off an assembly line more so than they yeah, did yeah. in in reality. And And they must have done that on purpose because... Oh yeah, they talked about the fact that they do a very good job of capturing the original actor uh, in their likeness, so that you know that I can spot Wanda Ventnam when I see her (laughs) in in animated form. And like, oh wow, look at that! I know that, I know that person. And here, uh, -uh. I I know they were probably trying to downplay their individuality in the original by hiring to a type, but you know they weren't quite the same height, and they weren't. They didn't look quite the same, and certainly no, they're, they're, they're very distinguishable visually. And obviously, in this version, they are they have different voices, mm-hmm. but they're obviously 
identical in the sense that they've reused the the exact same model. It kind of changes it kind of changes the draven, but it doesn't make any impact on this story. But in, you know, if you were if you were going to have a a future draven story, which approach would you go with? The clone draven, or would you go with the the similar well, I, but not alike? Draven? I am sympathetic to to. Um... I mean, Gary Russell would say that was the intention, and I, I, I don't want to contradict what I just said. I mean, we don't, we don't necessarily know what wh- whether this would have been done if it were possible. But yes, I mean, he, he, it's not just that they are that they are identical in terms of being clones. It's that he actually creates a little dock for them to plug into. Mm-hmm. So that you know, the the reason I think you can say that. I don't know that it, it's something they would have done or that it was their intention, would have been their intention to do that if they could. But you can back it up from the text because that that thing of, of whatever it is, recharging or revitalizing with nutrients or whatever it is, does tie directly into the the comment that Marga makes about them being created. It reinforces something that's already there. It may literally say in the script, you know, the women are identical and you know that just you know in stage direction uh or or we don't we don't know what's in that part of it that doesn't necessarily get translated uh onto screen the other one that's very very much different and i'm gonna put it in the positive category but at the same time it's kind of it's kind of a shame and that's the draven ship now i'll be the first to say the Draven ship in the original is rubbish. It it is really the most pathetic spaceship we've ever seen, and maybe it isn't. I I I have some doubts there, but you know it is. It's clear. It looks like it's made out of plastic around triangular frames. It's uh, it's really something nothing like what you see in the animation, except for the triangular shapes, but. On the other hand, I think it was a bold and daring attempt to do something very different in the original. It's like, we don't have much money. What can we do? We can say this is going to, this is alien. So it can be completely unlike our expectations. And they tried something and it didn't work. And I just kind of wonder if they should have tried a little harder to incorporate that into the animation i i think that i mean this is guesswork because i i haven't heard anything from the animators to back this up and i i mean i like the fact they include the triangular elements of it because it does feel like there's a a nod to the original spaceship in there but i think the transparency would create difficulties for them in animating it in much the same way that they have turned vicky's dress into a solid green color instead of the kind of I mean, you can't see the color in the surviving clips, but I think Peter Purvis said it was green, and you can see that it's a sort of paisley patterning. And they didn't want to reanimate the paisley patterning in much the same way that the other team of animators felt that it was a terrible mistake to have given Patrick Troughton his check trousers in Power of the Daleks. Yeah. So I, I, th- I think all of the kind of transparency stuff in the spaceship, it is cool, I agree with you, and I, I like the ambition there. I just think... They would, they, the animators would have made the same mistake. They were, they would have been overstretching if they tried to recreate that. 
You know, the, the, the thing that occurred to me while I was kind of blundering through that was, is there supposed to be a ship and then like a an extension built on the front where they're doing work? I think there's something there. There's something external or additional that is about the the uh, ammonia generation or the ammonia. even the animated version there's kind of like a, a two-layer effect and and i'm just kind of wondering if maybe maybe that's a an a temporary structure they've built outside the the ship maybe that's what they were kind of going for there was something about the in in the animated because i completely forgot about the 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 transparent real ship but there was something about the animated version Something the doctor said as they approached the ship that made me think that maybe there was a work area out front. And if so, I could forgive that for being transparent plastic because it's a tent. <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't know. I, de- I definitely, I, I definitely liked this, or I found it easier to accept the ship in the animated version. Um, so I I liked that in the animated version. It again, I, in terms of the differences, I put it in the positive column. Uh, you know, a bit a bit like a bit like the planet blowing up and all the cracks appearing. Uh, you know, you don't see the planet blowing up. <laughs> yes, I I understand. In the original, you don't see the ship take off either. Yeah, we, no, that's what I, that's what I mean. And the fact that we you know we see we we see the ship doing things that it wouldn't have been possible for it to do, and we see the 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 planet exploding in a way that you just couldn't have, you, you know, you couldn't have added that effect or, or realized that in the studio. So they're, 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 they're definitely, you know, they're all part of the same thing of saying this, this is our playground. Now we can, we can add, we can imagine, we can explore limits that, that um, no longer exist, even while there are other limits that, that are simply due to the fact of animation. So the the other the other one, which is kind of like a whole separate topic in its own right, and it's something that we've touched on for, with several of these because it's the modern way, isn't it? Is they make it in color, in color widescreen, in fact. Um, yeah. So I and and you know that's a that's a whole new realization there. I mean, they may be they may have asked Peter Purvis what color Vicky's dress was, but a lot of those decisions are brand new creative decisions even if they had known what things were in the studio you've no way of knowing whether they were deliberately well they wouldn't have been deliberately those colors they might have been colored for black contrast rather than the actual color so so Um, what did you think of the of the of the colors and the color palette in this one i i thought um that it's very interestingly timed to come out around the same time dune did You've you've definitely got that big orangey, uh, sweeping, lifeless planet look. I I I was fine with it. I don't know if that's what I envisioned it being, but it certainly fit perfectly in my mind that 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 would be what it would look like. Did you watch any of the episodes in black and white? I did watch. I watched the first one in black and white. Right. I mean, I, I only I only ask because I, I I kind of agree with you about the the kind of the Australian inspired scenery. It's it's they they realise something there that definitely isn't in the isn't in the studio, but equally it works well in black and white. I don't, I'm not sure that's a colour thing, other than the fact that they've then gone for the kind of red look of it. They've got three suns. 
Right. So they they are. Yeah. I think it's three. Right. So I can see how they might go for a, a strong yellowy orange feel to it as well. You know, that, that, because that that kind of fits with that hot burning, you know, in, in your mind. I think that's that probably is why that works well. I I'm not that keen on it. Right. The, you may not be surprised because I've been a bit skeptical about color, but I was I was kind of getting there. Um, particularly the faceless ones and, you know, to some extent evil. I was, and it, that's obviously the other team, but I just, I liked the way they were colouring it. It fitted with their style of animation. This feels a little bit more kind of uh, bright primary colours. I felt a bit like I, I did, I watched uh, an episode or two in colour, but I think I felt I preferred the black and white from an aesthetic viewpoint. But the one thing that I would say did kind of work and and the and the other thing to note, you know, just in terms of the packaging is they're still presenting the black and white version on disc one, which I am finding a bit odd because, you know, when you hear Gary Russell talking about it, he's saying, you know, we're starting with the thinking about it in terms of the color version. And anyway, when they present it on disc one, they present it with four animated episodes and the existing episode as an extra rather than. You know, there could be a logic in saying you present the black and white on disc one because people want to watch it with the the existing episode. And it's less of a kind of transition to to go through. Um, mm. But the, the, the kind of thing that made me feel like there was a kind of again, it's about the coherence of it and the fact that it backed up the, the other artistic choices being made within the animation of having the kind of the way the colours and the way it's drawn is that it had quite a sort of 60s comic strip feel to it. Yeah, yeah, it kind of did. I quite liked. I mean, I could almost imagine seeing seeing it in one of the 1960s because obviously the comic strips were drawn in colour. And, you know, you could take take a frame from this, put a few speech bubbles on it, and it, 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 it you could feel like that's where it had come from. So in terms of that, by the end of, you know, the second episode I'd watched in colour, I was sort of coming around to thinking, well, maybe that is a better way to experience it, even though I didn't feel that the the colouring job was as good as the other team were doing. It still actually is adding something to the story, to the sense of it, to, to the atmosphere, to this delicate balance between... Uh, creating a sense of this being a story set in the future but which was at least partially created in the 1960s so hmm. I, I you know hats off in terms of that one thing that i'm gonna ask about it's rhetorical mostly the end of this story has a very long comparatively intro to mission to the unknown which is such an odd duck. For those who don't know, Mission to the Unknown is a one-part story with no doctor or companions in it at all that is a lead-in to the Daleks' master plan. Is this is this a, a slavish recreation to something, or should they have cut it off, or are they going to do Mission to the Unknown someday? Because if they're never going to do Mission... You know, if they do Daleks' master plan, which is big... What, 12 parts, right? Yeah. Um, if they're going to do Dalek's Master Plan, 
my thought is they damn well better put Mission to the Unknown on that disc as well. Because no one's ever going to buy Mission to the Unknown on its own. Standing, no, no, no doctor, no nothing. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, th- this is, I normally, because a lot of them have a little bit of a tag into the next episode and it doesn't bother me. But for some reason, this one, I'm looking at it going, I wonder if they should have just left that off. If, if, sure, it was part of it, but I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it, that um, we're, we're kind of talking about experiencing this episode in a number of different ways. And, and so one of them is the story in its own right, treating this as a new work. And another is to kind of use it to infill the gaps where things have gone missing so that you can experience, uh, you can complete an experience of some Doctor Who that you're not otherwise going to see. And the Galaxy 4 animation that we liked, you know, the previous attempt at doing the Galaxy 4 animation that we liked as at least a form of reconstruction compared to the others. It actually, in order to to do that preservation, it cut a load of the audio out. And I I certainly felt that was kind of quite justified in tightening it up and giving you the better pacing. So there is, and and I mean, we also discussed it thinking about it on the Macro Terror. There's a, there's a scene cut with the rum, the, it's not called mm-hmm. the rumble tumble machine, but you know what I'm referring to. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, they've made a choice to take something out because they thought that trying to add it in would take something away from the episode. And obviously, even just a couple of minutes of mission to the unknown, when you've got when you've got all of these sets for a desert planet, and then you suddenly have to animate something with a character you haven't had in a jungle, that's quite a lot of effort for two minutes. So I, yeah, I do totally get where you're coming from. I wouldn't have objected if it wasn't on there. Mm-hmm. But to me, I wasn't surprised it was on there because the fact that on the previous recon, they'd included it in their, whatever it was, 12, 15 minute version of the exploding planet, even though they would cut out a load of the actual story, was a bigger surprise. <laughs> so, so if they're going to mm. do that, well, probably they are going to do this. Yeah. I kind of wonder, you know, we had four stories this year animated in in whole or in part that includes web of fear which was only the one episode but the, I'm, I'm not i'm not poo-pooing that that's a lot of animation for one year and i don't know something about this made me think 2022 is the year of the daleks master plan <laughs> because that would be a big one if you include mission to the unknown that's 13 episodes that's three full animated stories worth in some in up to three full stories yeah, of animated yeah, work yeah. so i mean that might be where well, we're it, yeah. going for 2022 if you're if you're looking for for clues i did um just before we did this i spotted that uh chloe Grech, the director of this one had done a commentary on episode four and at the end of that she does obviously talk about doing a bit of mission to the unknown and I can't tell if this is an unguarded comment, but she does talk about how difficult she found it and whether and whether it made her think twice about putting her hand up for doing the Daleks master plan. Oh, okay. And well, that so it cut it cut it. I mean, to, that suggests two things to me. Firstly, although there doesn't seem to be anything announced at this stage, we are expecting there to be more animations, and yes. presumably the fact that she talked about it in that casual way means there have been conversations going on 
as you would expect, you know, any of the missing episodes could come into this. What, you know, what might we do now? Or what might what might be, we be asked to do next? And how might we approach it if we were these kind of things? So that that in itself probably shouldn't be surprising. And the comment also suggests that this isn't two minutes of the next animation. This is two minutes that have been created specifically for the Galaxy 4 release. And if, yeah. you know, if, if, if there is a Daleks master plan, they will probably redo those two minutes, be my, would be my guess. Although the fact that they, they talk about it as being part of the Daleks master plan absolutely reinforces your suggestion that this would be, Mission, Mission to the Unknown would be released with the, the kind of main serial. Yeah, where else would you do it? It just it just doesn't yeah. make any sense. But yeah. no, I think, I think it's quite right. You know, one one thing that just occurred to me uh, the other day uh, as I was eagerly anticipating this showing up, it's like you know the timing of this. I'm 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 going to bet that before the flux is over, we're going to see the return of the Draven or the Rills. I think this is this is a tie-in. That's what I think. <laughs> wow. Well, wow. I do. I'm. I have. I have to say. I think the Chumblies are pretty cool. I. I would like to see more Chumblies. So obviously, we would be the Rills. We would see, and I think they. They actually kind of think they should. You know, it's interesting that there's a line in this where the Doctor says, "You know, we shall never meet again." And in the context of Doctor Who series three, when the TARDIS goes from one place to another and no one has a clue where it's going, that mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. You will never see them again because the universe and all of time is very vast yes but we know that the doctor that yeah it used to be a lot bigger and i would actually love to see them redo the rill in in modern doctor who Mm -hmm. uh you know as not you know not as a, a villain obviously because they're not although you know in a different phase in their history maybe they were who knows but it it would be a it would be an interesting throwback uh to the to the show i don't have a lot of thoughts on the story we we talked about it before we were here but i did think that the draven were an interesting construct in other words we got quite a bit about the the draven and yet they're not really used a lot in this and it it almost feels like they deserve a second look at some point as well and i don't know if that's just because I'm re, you know, they they threw in the stuff about killing the men and and the clone beings and whatnot, just to make them different, or whether they had something to go on. But I I kind of, you know, that that's one that could have gone for another another story. I I I I would kind of say I don't want to see either the Draven or the or the Rill again, because p- partly for the reasons that I now think this is a much better. A better episode, and I think you know. I think actually the writing in this is really nice. There's, I mean, the in the surviving episode, uh, sorry, in the surviving clip in the first episode, there's that cracking speech Marga has. Uh, you know, if you if you were to conquer space, they said you'll need soldiers. So here I am confronted with danger and the only one able to think. And I I loved all of that, but even more than that, I think I loved the kind of parting speech from the the real where they said though though we are beings of separate planet you from your solar system and we from another space uh, our ways at thoughts of time do not seem to be all that different it has been an honor to know and serve you and the kind of although i'm sympathetic in some ways the modern way of making the monsters more nuanced 
it's not quite as black and white. They have more complicated motivations and desires. <laughs> the simplicity of this story is quite appealing. The fact that it is, you know, the real are good and the Dravin are bad is kind of what makes it work. And I don't want to, I don't want to kind of taint that by coming back to them. So I think we should, I think we should have Chumblies without them. Yeah. I, 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 it's now a cliche. It was much fresher concept. Exactly. Uh, and, that, oh. and that would be why you couldn't just do, you couldn't just do it again. Um, but it was just, it was nicely realized. It was very nicely realized. I thought. Anything else on this specifically? I want to talk a little bit about the, the slate of animations that we've had briefly otherwise. Well, I've got one thing and it's not quite on this specifically. So it might be a sort of lead into what you're about to talk about, which is not only is this the first Hartnell that we've seen for a while and the first Hartnell we've seen in color, but more significantly to me, when they, when they release these, these new animations, they've been using the same uh, second doctor title sequence, which is now in color. And we talked a bit about that when that debuted. Mm. This is the first time we've seen the original title sequence in color. What do you think? I was bored. I, I was mm. I was disappointed. I was disappointed in it. I have to say, you wanted more. I was more flashing, color. you know, variation I, of color. You know, I like the fact that they took the Troughton one and they kind oh, of applied did. the logic of the Pertwee. Yeah coloring with the the sort of but they can't do that for this because filters. you know but the trout the trouton and the pertwee eras are contiguous so you can cut you can see how you could extrapolate back into the trouton era from that this is too you, far removed is it i mean this is just the title sequence so. prior to the i, I don't know i mean it, it, well no it, because I, th I think you see huge differences much... by the time you get into tom baker it was very much just slap an orange gel on it and go and and maybe that's a little too little i don't know i i i've got to say i quite liked it because it didn't do too much i know from what gary russell has said about it that they did have more colors in it and they took them out and i feel that's good because it's such an iconic sequence and that does come the it it works incredibly well in black and white it's not animated is it that, that's not an animated recreation. That's just the original sequence with a no, color no, no. filter it's, slapped over it. It's animated like the other ones are. I never, never got that. I, I thought that was the real thing just with a color filter slapped over it. Well, so, it's obviously animated um, rather well. But it's it's easy to animate something that isn't a re you know, like it's not like animating a human or... Yeah. Oh, I will, I will add this. Uh, when I put this on to watch my son was in the room my 16 year old son was in the room and this is obviously just anecdotal but started up the credits came up which were in black and white <clears throat> and then once you go into the show it's obvious it's animated and he's like what is this and i go oh it's a it's a, one of the missing episodes that they've that they've animated so they're they're filling in the gap and he, and he just looked at it, he goes how old is it? I said, well, it's it's from like the third season of Doctor Who. Uh, so it's, you know, from the, the 60s. They go, no, how old is the animation? And we go, no, it's brand new. Why? Why is it in black and white? He's just utterly, utterly confounded by the notion that they would waste their time animating it in black and white. 
I, I got to see that. I don't think the black and white adds anything. I, I know you, you like the black and white ones, but I just don't see the I th- I think value it is, in it either. But I, I'm not, I'm not as, I think the problem is the color detracts from the, the black and white is, is better. But on the other hand, I do, I, I do think the color, as I've said, adds something else. So I'm not as kind of quite as kind of hardcore about saying, I think they're just wasting their time doing this in color and obviously they're, they're not spending time animating it in black and white they are right. animating it in color and then they are creating a black and white version from that and not not that it doesn't require some effort on their part and obviously it's different aspect ratio and there's all the work associated with that but it's nothing like animating it completely separately in black and white yeah and i i i, I kind of appreciate the fact that we have you know the the I, I think I've said this before that that we we have the different versions of it, so we can choose what we watch and we can choose how we combine the original episode with animation, whether that's black and white or color. Um, we we've talked about this every time we do the animation, and we we never have the definitive answer to our fingertips. So I I took the opportunity to go through the list of first, second, and third Doctor stories and write down which ones are still missing when i say missing that missing and not animated and which ones have been animated including things like web of fear where they only had to do one episode that falls into the the animated anyway so where we stand at the moment is they have animated 12 stories and there are 14 missing ones so we're almost halfway there and uh and that's if we count mission to the unknown as a separate story otherwise we're at 12 and 13 so that's good although that that kind of suggests that the work needing to be done is the same as the work that has been done. But in fact, a lot of the episode, a lot of the stories that have already been animated are stories where they've animated just one or two episodes. Whereas the the new approach, setting it setting aside the um, the web of fear, I hope they don't go back and reanimate. I I hope they do go back and reanimate because I don't want no, to. No, not before the they do the others. In its current form, what I'm saying is the work that they have to do now, because they have set a pattern of releases where they basically animate the entire serial, and indeed the serials that are remaining are the ones with more episodes missing, means that there's a lot more work still to be done than has been done already. Yeah, well, but they're also getting better at doing the work, and they're probably doing the work more efficiently and quicker, and oh, certainly cheaper. So, uh, you know, that yes, there's more work, but they're getting momentum and they're getting skill sets built and, uh, a, you know, practical, practical knowledge. So anyway, so just just to tick them off, season three is a mess. Uh, it's still missing Mission to the Unknown, the Myth Makers, the Daleks Master Plan, the Massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve, the Celestial Toymaker and the Savages. And of those... Obviously, it's the Daleks' master plan and maybe the Celestial Toymaker that are the likely candidates. And everyone seems to be broken up about the Celestial Toymaker. But to me, that one sounds like rubbish. But hey, I'll take it. Uh, And they've only animated Galaxy 4 in Season 3. Season 4, which spans Hartnell Troughton, we're only missing the Smugglers, the Highlanders, and a proper underwater menace. Well, I think those are, I think those are very difficult ones to animate, so I'm not expecting them anytime soon. 
And then, you know, season five, we're getting close. Abominable Snowman and Wheel in Space. And I mean, there's been talk about both of those for ages. Yeah. I, my my money is undoubtedly on season five. I think season, season six is possible, but season five is really much more likely. And the Space Pirates, yeah, is season six is the only thing missing from that. So I don't have anything else. I don't have anything else. All right. In that case, we we have there is no announcement of the next animation. We have no idea what it's going to be, but uh, you know, whenever it comes along, we will be there. Oh yes, Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure as always. And listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at Patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Next time, we'll be looking at two episodes of Ultra Q with Grow Up Little Turtle and SOS Mount Fuji. Come join the conversation at Fusion Patrol.